0: Hello and welcome to Priority Roll, an Age of Sigmar podcast from sunny England. Join us as we discuss the ever-changing character of wargaming in the Mortal Realms. Grab your D6 and get ready for the Priority Roll. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Priority Roll. My name is Dan and today we are talking all about the brand new Daughters of Cain rules found in Broken Realms Marathi. And to talk with me today about those rules is none other than the daughter of daughters the daughter of Cain himself <laughs> Benjamin Saver. would you consider yourself a daughter of Cain or a son of Cain
1: nah daughter of Cain definitely
0: daughter of Cain it's, it's 2020 sure. you can you can do whatever exactly. you want
1: it's gender's fluid man Just absolutely
0: specific, isn't it? so you are uh, fairly i guess you did you did quite well with Daughters of Cain uh, i I want to say relatively recently but i've lost track of how long ago it was
1: <laughs> It was quite a while ago now. It really was, um, but yes, I did. I did do. Um, I did do very well with them for a short time. Actually, no, it was a long time. I played them for a whole year. I played that exact list. I played the list we'll we'll be talking about shortly, um, or the variations of it. Uh, I played that whole list. That list for a whole year, um, which was a conscious decision. I wanted to just play the exact same list for one whole year without making any changes whatsoever um, to see how that impacted my knowledge of the game in general, but um yeah just my performance at tournaments and yeah proved um proved quite
0: effective how yeah. how did you find it affected your performance both both personally as a player and also you know as a gaber with that army
1: um i mean it's it, like that that list i think at the time in in the meta that it was in i, I think it's as like and, and you know like not to toot my own horn here but i think it is as close to a perfect as a list could get really like just it just had the all of the perfect tools that list it that's a
0: bold shout benjamin
1: yeah no no i've thought about it a lot and i've never i've never wrote anything that's come close to it in its in its flexibility and it's you know its ability to um or it's yeah its ability to sort of like have answers to all of the possible questions that were posed in the meta at the time um you know it was, it was fairly balanced it was it was overpowered as well like or, or it was just it was just very strong in in that meta like like we haven't seen any any changes to that list and you know like i wrote that in aos1 that was you know like i played i think one of you know a handful of games with it even before aos2 was released so we've seen like two generals handbooks since then and there hasn't been that many changes and in i mean in the 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 post lockdown or the pre lockdown meta i don't think it was anywhere near as good as what it was um and i think in this meta now or the meta that the meta that should be um i don't i don't think it's Anywhere near as strong? I think what like. Can I, I just can cane... I just
0: interrupt briefly there to to yeah. ask you to define what you mean by the meta now? So how what uh, what is the kind of bar that you're holding lists up against
1: so i think i think seraphon are the most impactful um it's been the most impactful release since since lockdown really and obviously not, you know we know we've only got a very small amount of data from the few countries that were able to have tournaments and from things like tts and then obviously a lot of it is just um theory hammer but i think with the it started with seraphon they I think they really did hail the the beginning of the the return of the shooting meta, which was obviously heralded for quite a long time, but never actually sort of materialised. And then it was cemented with the release of of Luminef, um, and then it left finally with the, with the GHB coming that came out this summer with the. KO points reductions. Um, we saw it. You know, we've seen it come back into full effect. Um, and I think that the reason daughters were so strong at the time was because we were just coming off the back of the shooting meta and and kind of going into the what was it? I guess we were going into the activation wars sort of around that time. Right? Lots of more combat orientated armies, and nobody could be nobody could stand up in a fight against daughters. You couldn't kill them, and they would kill you certainly a lot quicker than you could kill them anyway. Um, so I think with with yeah with shooting the, you know especially things like croak um you know like definitely you know techless, the ability to unbind uh mind raiser, which was often was often key to getting out the damage that you needed to 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 put out um you know there's there's lots more ways in a shooting army or a magic heavy army to take out your support pieces like the Medusa, like the Hanks. Um, you know, magic is quite effective um, against against doors anything that's that's long range that can pick them off because they do, you know, as, as, as fast as they can be, you know, you can have one unit running and charging, you know, it's still everything else is movement six, it still needs to get across the board and it and until now, until the release of um, Marathi the Broken Realms, it, it didn't have it doesn't, it didn't have, doesn't have uh, a lot of ways to interact with the enemy in the first turn um and so you you really need to be getting up there and getting into combat so i think it's yeah it's definitely things like that you you know you you do mind raiser is a, a super important spell and you know the one time i stopped playing daughters after, after my sort of streak and the other one time i did take it was to the gt final last year um and even then like i, I think i cast mind raiser, like twice over you know a handful of games um and you really sort of like notice the the, the difference there with that so yeah i think it, i'd like i'd like to see i'd like to see how they would do in against against armies like seraphon and lumineth and and this new ko but i'd imagine that they wouldn't be they wouldn't be too strong um and so that that you know, to, to, to go back to my point is that i think daughters as, as, as i think they were just really strong at the point they came out and that list you know as i say is i think is as close to as a perfect list that exists in in, it, in its own meta. You know, there's been other things that have been as powerful, sort of, or, you know, like Vanguard Wing, like early Clown Car, things like that. But I think that they were armies that sort of like bent and broke the rules or, you know, had loopholes or sort of like, you know, janky, you know, janky sort of strategies that kind of operated sort of outside you know they didn't really interact with the opponent they could just do their own thing whereas daughters always you know you always have to play a game you always have to bring you know you have to bring the game to your opponent um and so what was it about
0: them do you think that made them so strong
1: um i mean of course the the re-rollable prayer um or the re-rollable um damage prevention role so they have a five plus uh, against all more wounds and more wounds which they could re-roll uh that was that was super strong because there was not a lot of armies that had that kind of staying power then and especially if you you sort of the way i used to play it is you hide the whole army behind one unit that's got that on so and then you wait until they break through and then you and then you counter punch um so you play i played the army very defensively i think and that was that was what kind of i think that's what set me apart from a lot of the other people who were playing it is because it was it was you know seen as a combat army, it could definitely rush across the table and and kill something in a couple of turns. And you know like the stat like we saw the stats back then, you know they they were sort of on a seventy percent win rate all across the world. Uh, but my win rate with them was like ninety percent, I think at the end of that tournament. I lost like four games in the whole season. Because I played it very defensively, so I think the, the the power was in its ability to stick around. And you've got, you know, like my list had seventy bodies on twenty five millimeter bases that could all run, retreat, and charge and pile in from six inches away. So you've just got such freedom of movement. You've got the bodies to control to control the board. You've got the bodies to control the objectives, and you've got plenty of ways to just to, to just dominate the movement phase. Really, um, there's there's no way of, of pinning them down. Uh, there's no way of tagging them. So it was just it just played you know like just played into my my own play style really well um so yeah like I, I think they kind of you know they didn't really have any shooting the only real magic that you had was mind raiser but it was just so good at movement at combat at controlling the board and and playing the object and you know what
0: even though i don't think that it was as good as when you're describing it it's absolute peak uh, I still think it's a list that had absolute legs, you know, up until until the modern, I guess, the modern era, the the, the pre-lockdown era. Um, you know, having not played any games properly since since March this year, I can't comment on its kind of legitimacy at, in the kind of um, current in in VertaComms uh, meta. But uh, certainly at Blood and Glory, when I was running my pterodons, uh, I had a very tough matchup uh, against the Daughters of Cain list. Um, I also played uh, Ben Curry at uh, Facehammer. Uh, shortly before again with the pterodons, uh, and and lost that battle. Actually, um, admittedly, I was uh, several beers down and kind of gambled on a double turn and uh, played it very poorly. But it's <laughs> still uh, it's still a, it's still a formid- It was still a formidable list, you know, in the modern era, despite you know the hag going up in points. But they they definitely had that resilience through that re-rollable DBR.
1: Yes, yeah, 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 they did. I think that the main thing I noticed um because I, I stopped playing them at the end of that year and then didn't play them again until the until that G- the GT final when I gave them the, the opportunity to try and um reclaim their title. Um I think the main thing I noticed at that is that daughters just didn't have enough late game. I think with the introduction of like of, of primarily Slanesh, I, I think they were the they were the big bad at the time and how hard they hit and they could punch through the resilience. And and you could you know like it would still take them it would still take them a few turns so you'd get to turns four or five and then and then you just run out of bodies and it was things like summoning like you know I lost I think I would have came second at the at the GT final if um, I played a slash in the last turn it's just the summoning that that you know you, you summon ten bodies and 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 you win the objective it just didn't it just didn't have the late game to compete though it does or, seem
0: fitting that if 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 one army is going to be the downfall of a daughter's Cain army it seems fitting that it is slash.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly. It's narrative, that right? is definitely. Um but yeah, so I think I think that's where they struggled they struggled mostly in, in the sort of uh the pre lockdown meta was was just with late game because it, it didn't have the summon in and then the obviously a lot of the other armies at um the power levels had come up to meet to meet them. And I think like yeah, like Daughters of Cain was so good then because they, they were powerful but they you know, I, I do think as I say they they played a clean game. They, you know, they weren't, you know, apart from a re-rollable DPI. know, they, they, they weren't really. The rules weren't really that abusive, and I think w- you, you can see that now because, you know, with all the with a lot, of, lot of the armies now, their power levels have come up to either meet Daughters of Cain or exceed them really. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was, you know, once once if 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 the resilience of them was their their sort of strongest point, which you can punch through them. And they just don't have the bodies then in the late game. They don't have someone in, you know, um, and they don't have any way, any ways of like bringing models back. So you eventually just sort of, you know, you lose in turns four and five, just on objectives really. That's kind of where they were at before. I felt, but yeah, I mean, like yeah, Ben Curry and still a few other people would do, were do still doing really well with them in that in that meta. And then and then now, I guess yeah, we don't know. I, I had no idea where they would sit really, uh, but I think they they would certainly struggle against the likes of Seraphon and, um, and
0: so here's a here's a question for you. Uh, if you can kind of reflect back on, I guess, a couple of weeks ago or a few a few weeks ago, when you found out about the, the incoming first book of the Broken Realms series, which was uh titled Morathi, uh, clearly that indicates that you're going to get some sort of new rules uh, for this army that you've kind of left uh, left to gather dust on the shelf. Uh, what was going through your head? What were you hoping for as a Daughters of Cain player? And what specifically? What gaps? were you hoping to fill with these new rules to make you want to put the daughters back on the table again?
1: Um, so I think, I think for me that the, the, the place where they've always suffered the most is the ability to, to project power, the ability to sort of reach out and start affecting the game early on. Um, I mean, and-
0: when you say, pro- so given that they are such a fast army, I would argue that they can project power fairly easily through speed and presence
1: no not like i don't know because they're they're, they're not you know like it's a six inch move on a witch elf so you can use a cp to guarantee that to go to 12 so you can get an army you know you can get a unit into the middle of the board and then you know yeah like you know your heart renders are pretty fast uh, marathi was was quite fast but you know getting to the middle of the board is still a 12 inch charge um if you're 24 inches away or you know six inch charge if you're 18 away but in those in those missions where you're 24 away you know you're not the chances you've got one in 36 chance to get into combat in the in the first turn um and i think more like more and more recent books have got ways to 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 deal damage to do stuff in the first turn and you know like daughter's I've never had any sort of long range shooting apart from if you kept Marathi small, she could like pick off a few wounds with, with spells with her. Um, well, she used to have the ability to double the range, um, but you couldn't reach behind lines. You know, there's, there's, there's little to no shooting in the army at all. So you couldn't reach behind and pick out support characters. And I think, you know, it's certainly a lot of like armies like Seraphon that rely so heavily on small little skinks that can just easily hide behind, your you know your the walls of, of bodies um that was, okay yeah, that, that, that really makes difficult. that makes sense yeah so but yeah they never had that so that's kind of what i was hoping for more than anything else and then and and so but i mean with that is i was hoping bloodstalkers would get some kind of change or, and to make them playable i think bloodstalkers is one of the most trash war scores in the game i think it, or it was it's it was just not playable at all like it was they were just way too expensive they just didn't put do any output um and so that's kind of what i was hoping for really the, the ability to sort of yeah it put, play in the first turn i think and not, not you know like i don't mean an alpha strike i don't think alpha strikes particularly good strategies but the ability to try and pick apart your opponents um you know synergies and strategies reach their buff pieces and things like that which i think it does have now yeah i think the the change to the bloodstalkers war scroll is really good if they stay at 120 points definitely it's it's really good so what um, what
0: what is it about the the bloodstalkers specifically that's uh that you enjoy
1: well just uh, it's the scrolls are basically the scroll is basically exactly the same the this but they've gone to two shots each instead of one so you know like they they do mortals on sixes i think that's uh i think it's unmodified now i think it was still modifiable before not that you had any ways of giving plus one hit, but um yeah i mean with one shot each a unit of five is doing you know like one two mortal wounds at best but if you you know a unit of five is now 10 shots and so you know you'd be taking units of 10 or 15. if you take a unit of 15 for example you you got 30 shots that's going to be five mortal wounds They've got an eight inch move and a 24 inch range. So at 32 inches, you can, you know, on average, you kill a support hero. Um, and then with the new iron scale, the new Melusa iron scale, that's the shadow and pain box exclusive hero, um, can give room charge to Melusa as well now. So-
0: So something something like that on your blood sisters as well.
1: Yeah, is another way of, of getting into combat first turn because they can, they can be 40, well, they move eight they can run 2d6 even as well with that ability. So, you know, they can be moving minimum of 14, minimum of 15, and up to you know, like 22 inches. So they can definitely get into your face first turn. It means that you can turn the Stalkers, sort of their threat range, up to anything. Uh, it's up to like 44 inches, isn't it, or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, that War Scroll is going like the moose ion scale is is going to be very important for being able to sort of fill that gap for me i think um and then the stalkers yeah i mean you just like adding add an extra attack that's all they did but it doubles their output almost and you know like i, I still don't think it's you know like, i don't think for the cost that that is overpowered or anything you know like the unit of five. 10 shots it's still only going to be like one or two mortal wounds but it's you know like when you start taking them in units of 15 then and as i say you have the ability to start so do you think do you think
0: units of 15 is something we're going to see because that's that's a that's a fairly big footprint isn't it
1: yeah it is yeah no it's yeah 40 no 15 40 millimeter bases yeah but i think yeah i think we definitely will i think we will definitely see probably even units of twenty, especially in combination with um with Marathi's ability to let them shoot twice or let them shoot in the hero phase, which she had on the old War Scroll, but you had to have her as gen general. And obviously the only the only temples anyone used to play was was Hagnar and Calebron and both of those temples you were taking them for the general's command trait. Um and so Marathi was never was never going to be the general so you never got to use that, that ability. Whereas now, I think she counts as general. She counts as a general even in addition to your regular general, I think now. Um, so you can always use that command ability. So yeah, a unit of 20 of those is 40 shots, doing mortals on sixes. And then obviously you can shoot in the hero face, you've got 80 shots, which makes that unit of snakes as good as, you know what, 80 Sentinels essentially well actually i suppose they do their models on fives but
0: yeah absolutely what you're referring to there is is in the the marathi kane description which is if this model is included in the daughters of kane army this model is treated as a general in addition to the model that has chosen to be the army general
1: yes yeah yeah so i think i think the only thing it really affects is uh the ranges that she can use the generic command traits really um so the sort of like the at the double and uh, inspiring presence and things like that is a much bigger range from your general which is good because then you've got two two sort of like hubs for that
0: then. Okay, so what we've got is a situation where you've got an army that uh, you yourself have de- declared the, the, the perfect list, a bold shout, uh, but you've know, yeah, essentially yeah. got a very good list, that you've got a good track record, and an army that you have a, a large degree of experience with Yeah. Uh, that you feel has potentially dropped off the kind of curve slightly of, of list power and is lacking in kind of a, a way to reach out and have an effect at long range uh, in turn one and that's what you're kind of looking for for, for a change from, from this list and now you've got a release that essentially does that it, it buffs uh one of the one of the units uh, one of the armies rather um range units uh and it comes with a number of other kind of incremental changes which i think uh, help it overall so with that having happened what are your thoughts on list design are you thinking of tweaking your original list or are you thinking of kind of going back to the drawing board and rewriting it from the ground up
1: um, I think, I think, I think if I go back to an event, I'd probably, you know, I'd probably like to lean a little bit more into, into the newer stuff, you know, go, go a little bit more snake heavy, but I know you're having Joe on to speak about that at some point. So let's, so let's just say we're we're, we're taking my old lists. As, as it used to be, it used to be uh, the Slaughter Troop with the Slaughter Queen on Cauldron. Uh, two units of 30 Sisters of Slaughter, two units of heart, uh, two units of five Heartrenders. Uh, that would that was the Slaughter Troop. I'd have another unit of 10 Sisters of Slaughter to make the battle line. And then there'd be a Hag, a Medusa, and a Marathi, and Marathi. And that used to be a five drop. Uh, that was the original incarnation. When the points changes came in and Hag went up and there was a few other sort of changes. Um it meant that you had to drop uh, the Medusa. So Mindraiser would then go on to Marathi and it would become a four drop and that's sort of where it sat then for well until until now I guess. Um, but with the points changes for Marathi, I think I think that came in you it was about 1950 I think those those were so you had enough points for an extra command trait. But um with the changes to Marathi now she's gone up to six hundred points. So she does not fit into the list without dropping i think you could probably drop the hag and still keep her in but you you know the hag is the hag is pretty at least one hag is pretty important in a uh in a daughter's army
0: i'd, so I I'd think, definitely go as far as saying she's essential
1: yeah she's yeah i'd say uh, yeah one one minimum you you probably want in in every army uh definitely um so i think that the, the list does change quite dramatically then because you lose Morathi and obviously she's such a uh, unique piece uh, in the way that she, you know she she would she's able to go off and 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 do things on her own independently. um you know she can affect the game in many different ways. She, she can sort of you know she is such an amazing flex piece. she can she can sort of fit the role that she needs to fit from game to game. you know, like she doesn't she doesn't just have one thing she can do. she can go off and tank, she can go you know charge to unit first guard Berserkers and just tie them up they can't they can't kill her she can you know you can buff her up to the nines and send her off to to kill things you know she can hold objectives on her own she's a super integral piece to the list um and so I think losing her is does does change the does change it quite dramatically um but I think like when I first started playing I, I didn't really see the value of Marathi when, when i First picked up the book and I uh, decided to try her out in in effort to sort of like get to know the War Scroll. Like, I figured she was going to be about uh, about quite a lot, so I wanted to know how to use her in order to understand how to play against her. Uh, but then actually, when I started using her, I realized how good it was, and then sort of couldn't ever drop her from the list. Then, so I never, you know, I don't think I've played a Doors of Cain army without her a, a game. I've played you know a few hundred games with them probably, and didn't never played a game without Marathi. So it's. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what fits in that that gap. I've got a few a few options. So you've got so if you go back to if you add the Medusa back in now in place of Marathi, because even though razer is going to be a lot harder to cast in this meta against things like Croak and Auto Unbind from Techless, uh, you know, Corn Judgments, things like that. It's still I think it's still worth having in there because you know even if you get not get getting it off only once a game in that in that turn it turns. You know whatever it's on into an absolute blender so if you put her back in keep the list exactly as it was that comes to 1600 points now so you've got 400 points to to spare and with with what we've already discussed in mind the ability to sort of reach out and you know affect the game turn one to be able to project power to take out buffs there's a couple of different options i think um the most basic my easiest one would just be to put in 15 bloodstalkers and that comes to 120 so 360 so you've got 40 points left over and that gives you 30 shots with a 32 inch range so you, you should be you know unless they unless they backboard you should be able to um you should be able to pick a target for them in the first turn you can pick you Know if you're shooting them at uh at support characters, the mortal wounds alone should be ki- should be killing them. Um, if you're shooting them at bigger units, they stay, they are still threes to hit, threes to wound, minus one rend, which is really good for long, re- uh, for shooting, really. There's not, you know, there's, there's probably only storm cast, isn't it, that are threes, threes, minus one rend. Um, so you know, with 30 shots, you can you can be clearing screens, ready for whatever's going to charge behind them. Um, and so yeah, I think, I think that like to be honest, that, that might be the one I'd probably probably go for first. I've actually just bought a couple of the Shadow and Pain boxes and a few extra snakes. I've got 40 snakes on the way to me this weekend, hopefully. Um, I'm going to do 20 of each, 20 Bloodstalkers and 20 Sisters, um, because I think the Sisters also have, have, a, have um, you know, with, with the, as we said, the aforementioned command ability on the iron scale gives them, um, gives them the ability to go up and affect the board as well, um, or to, you know, hit screens, uh you know poses a threat in the first turn so keep their you know keep their lines honest um you, you, you can't get as many of them in because if you want sisters i think you you want the iron scale for that command ability and also for the chance to get the extra attacks uh the iron scale has an ability where if she kills something in combat she gives one extra attack to uh all, blood, all the blood sisters within within range so you could so with that 400 points you could put in a nine scale uh you could put in 10 blood sisters and then you've got 100 points left over which um which I'd put onto oh sorry actually with that one you would you could drop 10 the 10 sisters of slaughter that aren't in the battalion and yep, you'll spare, you will make...
0: spare unit of 10
1: Yeah this, yeah yeah that so uh, the, the third battle line and then make the make the Medusa the general, so that then that makes the the ten sisters battle line. So they take over the place of the the, the ten um, the ten sisters of slaughter. And then you've got hundred points left over to upgrade the Medusa to a bloodwrack shrine, because if she's going to be your general, and this is this is in Hagnar still, obviously. So the the Hagnar command trait is devoted disciples, which turns your um, your six plus damage prevention roll into a five plus if you're within seven inches of the general so if you if you you've got to make the reducer your general to make the blood sisters battle line then you, you can use that extra hundred points to upgrade you her might as, as well stick her on a
0: massive base
1: yeah exactly bigger with, base more, with a bit more protection yeah exactly so so then so then she's sticking around and then i i, I like that idea actually because then that, what that does is it frees up the the slaughter queen to the, the slaughter queen on cauldron to go off and kind of fill the role of Marathi, then, because to be honest, I think like the the Slaughter Queen with do you, do you mind you on
0: is that a legitimate swap? I mean, obviously, I'm not. She's not quite, you know, full Marathi scale, but
1: uh, no, scale. yeah, I mean, scale. scale. See what I did there? Hey, there you go. <laughs> um, I think it, it, it's her speed that lets her down. Always, the, you know, she only has a six inch move. Um, the the Slaughter Queen, and that's obviously so Marathi's was fourteen inches. But I think in in terms of output. She hits hits way harder than Morathi. I think the Slaughter Queen with with mind on is is probably one of the hardest hit in single single models in the game. I mean, maybe actually now with with you know things like cows and um, I don't know got like yeah gargants and things like that. You know, there's there's others, but she will she'll kill most things that she touches if she if she has Mindraiser on. So it, yeah, if she's not the general and doesn't have to sit at the backs sort of projecting that buff and protecting the lines, she can go off then and and be your you know be your sort of beat stick and she can you know she's bravery 10 but she'd be bravery 10 so she can get up to minus three rend and quite a lot of damage as well with mind Razor on so i think yeah can i can see actually
0: I- a fully buffed slaughtered queen on a cauldron crashing into a line is uh, is going to do some serious damage
1: yeah yeah a lot of damage and then if she survives and and it's your turn next she has the command ability then to just to do it all again in the hero phase and obviously then if she's a little bit more if you play with her more aggressively she can be in a better position to be able to make more use of that that command ability which which to be honest i, I rarely ever used just because of the way that I played her in the in the old lists, the ability to, she she has a command ability. Just pick a unit in the hero phase, and they get to fight. um So I think I think that is I think that's a really really good option as well. To be honest, and then you've got yeah the, the shrine is nice. You know, it adds a, it adds a little bit of utility um and yeah, make some battle line and then and then you, yeah you sort of throw your iron scale up with the sisters and she can give them an extra attack. So a unit of ten sisters. Uh, this is blood sisters. This is the snakes. Uh, they go to 40 attacks and they're threes and threes, minus one rend, one damage. But obviously, you can put Mind Razor on them. They can go to minus two rend and two damage. Um, so, you know, 40 attacks on threes and threes, minus two, two damage. It's going to get work done, I think. Um, yeah, so that's, that's one option. I think one thing I haven't mentioned yet. With daughters and and it ties into their ability to to reach out in the first in in the first turn is uh, I think battalions used to be super uh, super integral to to the army I, I think you know I don't think we saw little to no lists that didn't have either Cauldron Guard or Slaughter Troop and I think that was because for me unless unless the unless the battle plan called for it daughters hated taking the first turn I hated when they it used to be five drops so which is really good in the meta back then. But when you did get outdropped and someone would give you the first turn because you can't do anything with it, apart from, you know, you can get your defensive buffs up and get into position, which puts you in a strong place. But you're essentially, you know, you're wasting a whole turn of not doing anything with an army that does, you know, wants to be getting in and, you know, getting into combat and things. Yeah, it's,
0: it's one of those positions where you always want to be going second. And when given the first turn, apart from throwing your buffs up, Actually, sometimes the best thing is just to maybe reposition it a tiny bit. You know, if, if you do want to push a screen slightly further out or or spread your, your units slightly outside your deployment zone in a better position. But apart from that, like, given that you've just deployed in such a way to receive a charge or to yeah. screen something off effectively.
1: Or to stay in all your buff ranges as to well. To stay in all your buff ranges.
0: What's the, yeah. why, why would you move? And that's that's something that I, I always found um, so almost like infuriatingly kind of built into you is that like you go first and you, you know you when i first started playing a Sigma everything would be deployed up against the 12 inch line and you'd go first and you'd push it into the middle and you're just like well why would you do that like that's just bad play
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah you've just yeah, you've given your opponent the, the ability to charge you yeah, and I've, I've moved my troops closer and, for you <laughs> yeah exactly now nah. yeah yeah and, and, and it's like it's an army that has a lot of different buff ranges and it's important to stay inside of all of them. So yeah, your your setup in the first turn is, you know, normally spot on. So you don't want to be breaking that up and so that's why you know i always i always had the battalion in there most doors of kane list i'd say 99% of doors of kane list had had the battalions in there
0: but and i the, think, the, a shadow troop didn't you
1: yes yeah yes Short, a sla- slaughter, slaughter, slaughter
0: troop. troop rather i'm getting my my shadow patrols and slaughter troops yeah you
1: sha- your shadows and your sisters and you oh yeah and- too many of them Um, but you went for a slaughter troop yes slaughter troop Um, what was it that made
0: you because obviously you've kind of majored on Sisters of Slaughter rather than clearly you know with the slaughter troop but what was it that made you go for Sisters of Slaughter via slaughter troop rather than a kind of more uh, witch elf focus list
1: Um, I think Initially the it was the inclusion of Heartrenders in the Slaughter Troop. Uh, in Col- in Slaughter Troop it's Sisters of Slaughter and Heartrenders. In Cauldron Guard it's Witch Elves and Lifetakers. And I think Heartrenders is obviously the it's the it's the much more superior war scroll, is the ability to drop down anywhere outside of nine and then on a four plus move six inches so that you can get in range of objectives um you know that has won probably more games than any other one ability in the um in the book for me um so that's why that's what initially why i chose slaughter troop but the more and more i played games with it the more i realized how much better the sisters of slaughter war scroll was than witch elves you know slightly less slightly less output but still more than enough um and but the ability to pile in six inches was incredible. Um, That's
0: it's such a good ability. It's it's so underrated.
1: Yeah, it's so so powerful. And especially as as we moved into the activation wars, you know, where and you can just you can just completely override things like um, you know, I can't even remember the name of it now, Slanish's ability to make you fight last in combat. L-
0: the locus of something.
1: Yes, diversion. Yeah, diversion. Um, yeah, so yeah, and that, and you know, like lots when lots of things were um, able to fight at the start, of the combat phase. You know, like things like eels, you can stay outside of. Um, you know, you can stay outside of range in the, in the third turn to get around things like high tide. So yeah, it's it's an amazing war scroll, amazing ability. And then, um, slaughter troop also gives you um, the ability to retreat and charge with everything in that uh, battalion which is just incredible because it means you can just never get pinned um, and then, you know, that's that's so much better than plus one to run and plus one to charge which is what Cauldron Guard gives you on the Witch Elves you know, retreats I think retreat and charge again is is, is another super underrated ability um, and so, that, yeah, that's kind of why I went with that and, that, you know, just the more and more I played it the more and more I realised actually this is this is the best version of of this Daughters list of, of, and best version of Hagnar, I think um, but yeah, I think with with the changes, um, you could potentially start looking to maybe move away from battalions now. Uh, with the you know with because uh, I think yeah, as I say, that's the, that's the main reason why why it was why it became important was to keep low drops so that you outdrop people and were able to choose whether to go first then or often you know let's say ninety five percent of the time you force your opponent to go first. Um, but yeah, with, with that, with, with the ability to reach out now, that's, that's not as important. So, you know, you can free up, uh, you know, you can free up, obviously the, you know, you d- they don't have any restrictions then you don't have to fill any battalion tax and you free up an extra 120 points, which I think is the thing I'm struggling m- most with. And I'm glad you kind of asked me to talk about changes to this list rather than something new is because I've been, I, I, for love nor money, I can't settle on, on a new list that I like because there's... It's just such a harder t- choice now. I think before this,
0: his Slaughter lost troop, uh, one hundred twenty or one hundred thirty.
1: That is one hundred thirty. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, with uh, before the before this uh, Broken Realms book came out, I don't think there's uh, yeah. Well, Probably not many daughters of Cain lists that I hadn't wrote, and certainly no sort of iterations of this list that I hadn't either already played or at least considered. And so, like list writing for them got got quite bo- quite boring, really. I hadn't really looked at that battle term, you know, over a year. I guess I kind of knew it inside out as well, and, and knew sort of you know, every single time I tried to make changes, I just came back to, to to this version. I was like, this is this is the best version of it. I think there's there's no way to improve it. So list writing got really dull but now it's really hard like there's so much there's so much you can do with it um with with these you know it's only two what two three pages it's a it's a new temple and a couple of new battalions a couple of you know a few changes to some war scrolls and then one new war scroll as well and um yeah i just can't seem to fit everything in There's there's just so many different directions you can go in now and you know like if, especially because it's leaning more towards uh, Canary and Melusai in, in the new book. You know, if you want them to be battle line, you've got to include a Medusa. But I think a Medusa is just tax now, especially if you're going to have Marathi because Marathi has Mindraiser and obviously little Marathi stays on the board all the time now. So she's filling the part. She's playing the role of the, uh, the Medusa. So having the Medusa just it feels like a huge tax of 140 points. But then that makes them the snake's battle line. If you don't have her then you've got to have three units of witch Avs or sisters of slaughter which is 360 points that maybe you don't want um you know with the snakes I think if you have um, with the the stalkers the the shooting snakes if you're having them you probably want Marathi so that you can be doing those double shots but then you're paying like a thousand points for you know 20, 22 models the 20 snakes and two and, and Marathi um so I think clearing up clearing up the extra 130 points. You know that pays for maybe the Medusa tax, so that you can make everything battle line, or it buys you an Iron Scale, so that you can uh, so you can run and charge or shoot and run with your Stalkers. So I think probably like you know yeah if it if I'm if I'm thinking about a completely new list, I'd probably not be putting it, I'd probably not be putting battalions in there, and I'd be putting something like fifteen Snakes or a big unit of Blood Stalkers and an Iron Scale, so that. If uh, the opponent does give me the first turn, I can I can do something with it.
0: And to be fair to Ben, I did specifically say, because we've got Joe Purcell coming on uh, the next episode to talk all about snake focus lists, I did say to Ben, let's not do that. I did kind of put a constraint on you, didn't I?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, but that, that was good, as I say. Like, it, it did, because I was right up until you said that, I was sort of thinking, I don't even have a list to talk about at the moment. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And I think that, that's a really good place to be in with... with, with you know, just with the release of, um, you know, a supplement, essentially, and, a, you know, a couple of a couple of small changes has put, you know, like I, I know this book inside out. I know the army inside out and um, played, you know, a few hundred games with it, probably. And I'm just struggling to be able to write a list. I'm struggling to be able to. I think to, that's a
0: fantastic place to be. And it just goes to show yeah. the the how this handful of pages of new rules content has really invigorated a i don't want to say flagging battletome because that's i think a bit too extreme, but certainly yeah. a battle tome that as you say has slightly lost its luster uh, and I, I this we've seen this in forty k with the psychic awakening books uh they really brought some uh, ailing factions back into life and, and some of them were slightly misses and uh, and, and weren't kind of buffed as much uh, but yeah i'm I'm really looking forward to seeing you know how this changes things like Ideneth, how this changes uh daughters of Cain you know whether we see more stormcast armies stormcast as, well.
1: as well yeah 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 no i think like to be honest like yeah i've been chatting a lot about i uh, i with people this week as well i know there's quite a few people really excited about the, the storm keeps i think you know some um, i'm often quite critical of of games workshop but hats off to them with this this is i think this is a fantastic release like really really good release and it really, like, it really shakes things up for those armies that have been included. And I know there's going to be, or there's supposed to be, you know, two or three more of these Broken Realms uh, books. So I think, yeah, if, uh, if this release is anything to go by, then I think we're in for a super exciting few months of releases. Like I saw on Saturday, the the Warhammer hype was like the most real it's been in the whole of lockdown for me. I think like just chatting, to, like with 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 the. Uh, Broken Realms, or or all, all the you know the videos coming out online. I was having tons of conversations with people everywhere, you know, like about Black daughters, about Ideneth, about Stormcast. um So I think, like, yeah, to to have that much of an impact with a supplement book is is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I think it's brilliant. I think, it's, a I, I think it's
0: because the the book affects so many people across such a broad range of factions. Because you know, with lumineth coming out, if you're not into elves or not specifically into high elves then, you know, you, Lumineth may pass you by. And if if Seraphon aren't your jam, then you know, the same thing. But this has got Darkling Covens. Uh, it's exciting for Stormcast players. It's exciting for Cities players as well, uh, because a City yeah. player that's maybe got a Stormcast army, rather than playing Cities plus Stormcast, you could play Stormcast plus Cities. Uh, it's exciting for Eidneth. It's ex- clearly exciting for Daughters. And, and also, it's exciting for players whose factions aren't covered, because they can anticipate what might change in the future for theirs, yes. Because when yeah, a battle definitely. tome comes out, instead of it being like, yeah, this battle tome came out, I can't wait for my whole faction to get a battle tome treatment, but they only came out 12 months ago, so realistically, are they going to get that? It's more like, ah, my battle tomes relatively recent, but what could exist in the future?
1: Yeah as you say it's exciting for for everyone to sit and to be able to see that that they can have this much of an impact with a few with a few small changes you know like it's it's really good i think it's a really uh, it puts the game in a really healthy place i think and um yeah to be able to make that much you know to be able to rejuvenate a faction as much as what it seems like daughters is going to be with without even releasing a battle you yeah
0: know? absolutely and i think it's gonna when we all get back to gaming together at tournaments properly the the scene is going to be in saying, the meta is going to be absolutely up in the air, and really for anyone's game, because it's not just going to be all about Sanesh, it's not just going to be all about Grisogor Fek, you know, and the kind of the old old threats, and it's not just going to be about Krog on a Bailwind or Teklis, because there's just going to be so much out there that Yes, those those kinds of lists will do well, but there's just going to be so many lists that can do well that I think we'll see a real variety out on the podiums.
1: Yeah, definitely, because we're going to have so many things that are just so many lists that are just unknown quantities because people have had the time to uh, sit down and think about the, uh, the you know different approaches to to the game to list writing to try out some you know some more left field ideas and then everybody's had the time to sit down and paint armies you know paint their piles of gray that they've had lying around so you know i think by the time we actually get back to events proper you know that as i was saying to someone the other day is i'm gonna have like four or five different armies with probably four or five different completely different lists and play styles each within those um so yeah i think the, the meta is, yeah, it's going to be crazy because, it, I mean, it's even like player to player, you know, like I'm definitely not going to be playing one army with one list, but not making any changes for a year anytime soon because, you know, by the time we get back to playing, I'm going to have daughters, several different daughters builds. I'll have Lumineff, I'll have finished my Bone Splitters. I've, I've moved into turning my Bone Splitters into Nurgle as well. And, you know, just I'm going to have so many different things that I want to do. I'm probably going to be taking a different army to every single event for you know maybe six months, and I think a lot of other people will be doing that as well. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be difficult to write lists for that kind of meta as well because you you know you're not you don't just you know you're not just thinking about the five or six or seven questions that you that are going to be asked of you. You're thinking about twenty or thirty. You know, so yeah. But I, I
0: uh, think that's really healthy for for players because I, I think it's not just about creating a list to fight the things that you think you're going to need to fight in games three, four, and five, whilst having a, a kind of ear to the ground on the, the potential rogue threats for, of games one and two. It's, mm. it's about, you just don't know what, games three four and five are going to be because yeah, it's like, exactly. yeah it could it could be anything so i think it you almost have to create a list uh or, or almost that it's a kind of uh, an enclosed capsule that's strong on its own without knowing <laughs> what it's going to face you know you might be facing list tropes you might be facing like an alpha strike or a heavy screen or, you know, a, a horde, you know, something like that. You, you've got these tropes to to build your army around, but I, I don't think you're going to have specific lists in mind or you're going to have too many lists in mind for that to really inform your list building. So it really kind of yeah. boils back down to like good old fashioned, strong list building.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then like, like, I mean, even, you know, with a lot of the sort of like really, you know, sort of cutting edge Meta lists, you would often find like something like uh, a good example would be Clown Car, you know, Clown Car would was amazing at, in the meta at the time against the against the other cutting edge lists, but it would it would often it would often lose games one and two more than it would lose games three to, to five. And I think you find that a lot with with these lists that are designed to, to beat a specific meta is that they'll struggle against these sort of like weird mixed arms spike gifts lists or something like that. And I think if, if, you know, the more lists that are out there, the more sort of anomalies you'll have like that, where, you know, like the super strong lists are coming up against something that's, you know, fairly weak, but it just doesn't have the, you know, it's designed to be one specific style of play, and it can't be, you know, just a nice mixed, balanced all comers list. So yeah, it's going to be great, I think. It's
0: going to be very exciting, very exciting. Looking forward to it. So, uh, Benjamin, thank you ever so much for joining us uh, again, for returning to Priority Role. Uh, I'm going oh, to ask you right. the same two questions uh, I asked you last time. But before I do, have you got any shout outs? Of course, you are Benjamin Sava from Studio Earthwood. Uh, Studio uh, uh, Earthwood, yeah. yeah. any shout outs? It's
1: just the uh, fiction guys, really. Um, and Rob and Robin, the super serious stuff. I was super excited about all of that. So, it's a shame that um, shame that I had to get cancelled. But uh, just to yeah, to all my fiction boys. And hopefully, uh, we'll be able to come to a super series near you soon. Um, yeah. Um,
0: and is Studio Uswood uh, open for commissions at the moment?
1: Studio Uswood will be open. Probably, uh, yeah, I guess so. If you if you if you want to start a conversation, I am booked up for until the new year now, probably if, maybe until February. Um, but yeah, I'll be looking for bookings in the new year. Um, so yeah, if you. We can definitely start talking if you've got some ideas. Definitely get in contact. Studio underscore uswood on all the socials.
0: Fantastic. So uh, the two questions: If you could protect one thing about Age of Sigma, what would it be? And if you could change one thing about Age of Sigma, what would it be?
1: Oh, man, this is hard now because I haven't played in so long. But, and we also have. New edition coming up, so I think these questions are more pertinent than ever now, aren't they? I think probably going to have AOS three next summer, maybe at the end of the Broken Realms, it seems anyway. Um, so I think one thing that I would keep the same is the way drop counts work, and I know it always sort of comes up at the at the, at the change of an edition. Um, you know whether they're going to, you know, battalions don't count towards lowering drops. And, I really like that mechanic of the game. I think it adds loads to to the list writing stage. It adds it adds a lot to um, to deployment, um, and so I'd like to I'd like to see that stay the same. I know there was a few sort of tournaments that experimented with, you know roll offs for the first turn and maybe get plus one if you have more drops or something like that but I'd just like to see it stay as it is
0: I can't remember whether you said that uh, in your last episode but clearly uh it's been it's been so long but clearly if it's come to your mind uh, as well today it's uh it's just as relevant I think still now so absolutely it's it's okay if yes. you've mentioned that twice so what about if yeah. what would you change
1: Well, uh, maybe not change so much but I'd like to like I, I, I think that the way the activation was came in out of nowhere is something that i would like like to not to not see again i suppose i suppose i'd like to you know maybe change the way the activations wars work but i think that was it was so disruptive in the middle of an edition to start giving to add in essentially what they did is add in a rule that you could fight like they created the start of the combat phase as a concept that didn't it didn't really exist before then and it's so just created... introducing
0: fundamental game mechanic changes in the middle in the
1: middle of an edition
0: Yes. Yeah. Or indeed, yeah. Like, or indeed, in the middle of a, a season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or even yeah between sort of general's handbooks because it just creates like haves and have-nots and I think it was you know like at that po- at the point when the activation wars was was, was rife you know like the, the the armies that were doing really well were the armies that had been introduced since this since this mechanic had been introduced and then anything else that didn't have that just didn't have answers to it so I think they, they I'd like for them to avoid. Doing something like that again, you know, if we're going to have fundamental changes like that, it needs to be, you know, at the, like with an addition, you know, like you can't just bring our battles home and they've got a rule that essentially changes the way the whole game works. And then every other army has to then have rules that interact with this or override it. And then, you know, that doesn't happen until every single army gets updated then. So yeah, you know, I think it's a roundabout way, but that's the answer. <laughs>
0: No, that that makes sense. So essentially, you don't want to be kind of chasing your shot, do you? You don't want to be uh, waiting for battle tomes to usurp something that's been introduced. You want everything to kind of, well, kind of almost like we're seeing now with Broken Realms. It's like we want every everything to be kind of caught up at the same time.
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah where, where you know,
0: un- understanding that of course you know battle tomes, new battle tomes come out need to have new rules and need to have uh, different things. But you're kind of you're you're arguing for the for the case for. Those rules being, uh, you know, non-fundamental mechanics.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like I think, like the, yeah, as I say, the, the, the start of the combat phase was a concept that didn't really exist until then. In the same way, like you know, Magic the Gathering, just like you know, uh, the stack, you know, the stacks and and or the order in which things happened. That was a new introduction to to the combat phase. Start of the combat phase. The end of the combat phase became a concept, and it's it's really good. I'm glad that it's there now. It adds loads more, adds loads more to the game, but just yeah, just you have to be a bit careful with how how those things get introduced.
0: Brilliant. Well, Benjamin, thank you ever so much for uh, joining me uh, again, and I uh, look forward to uh, hopefully throwing some dice with you in the near future, or indeed chatting Warhammer uh, on Priority Roll again.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah, uh, hopefully the, the former. Hopefully see your little face soon.
0: Cheers. Take care, Benji.
1: Thank you. Bye bye
0: thanks for listening to priority Roll. if you want to get in touch with us we're at priority Roll on both twitter and instagram you can send us an email priority role podcast at gmail.com or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash priority role and leave us a voice message if you want to leave us some feedback we're always looking to improve or if you just want to suggest a topic to talk about on one of our upcoming shows then feel free to get in contact with us we'd love to hear from you until next time thanks for listening to priority Roll.